Hello, everyone. It's Amanda from the Outer Miles team. Just wanted to wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Hi, this is producer Mike from the Outer Miles show. Luke 2.14 says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. I pray this Christmas season that you will find that peace and goodwill towards men in your hearts. As you celebrate this season, be reminded of what Christ our Savior did for you. Have a blessed Christmas season and a very happy new year. Hey everyone, this is Kate from the Autumn Miles team. Just wanted to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Hey everyone, this is Jess, one of the producers for the Autumn Miles show. I pray that your holiday season is filled with joy, laughter, rest, and peace. Blessings to you and your family. Hi, y'all. It's Ashlyn from the Autumn Miles team. Just want to wish y'all a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Hey, guys. This is Cassie from AM Team, and we wanted to wish you a very Merry Christmas here and a Happy New Year. This is what I want you to understand. The expectation that Mary and Joseph no doubt had for how Jesus would come, how he would be born, what the circumstances of his birth, they were looking at and they were totally bashed and crashed and destroyed. But God was speaking the whole time. Sometimes your process looks like a mess. It looks like rejection. It looks like isolation. It looks like being completely alone. It looks like you're looking around going, what in the heck happened to my life? But every piece of that process is ordained by God. If Jesus wasn't in a manger that signified the feeding of sheep and animals, he literally, let me say it like this. It was a perfect picture for what he was. The bread of life that came down from God himself. It's time now for the Autumn Miles Show. Hey, hey, guys, it's your girl, Autumn Miles, coming at you with a merry, merry, very merry, wonderfully merry, wonderful last episode of the Autumn Miles Show before Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, joy to the world, fa-la-la-la-la, all of the things, you guys. (laughs) I absolutely love this week that we get to enjoy. I feel like this week is like a gift from God every single year, and I'm so thankful for this week. I hope you guys are in the Christmas spirit. I hope you've been to all the parties. I hope you have eaten all of the food and the treats and the cookies and everything. And I hope you have taken time to um, read through Luke and Matthew and the beautiful pages of where the Christmas story is found. If not, there's still time, guys. We still have a few days. But very Merry Christmas. This will be our obviously last episode before Christmas. And then um, I don't even want to say it because I want to savor this week. Uh, Then we'll have an awesome episode right before the new year that you're going to want to come back in here to start your new year off right. But we love you so much here. And you have been such a blessing to our entire team this year. Um, The messages, the comments, the here's what God's doing in my life, the just the the testimony of the glory of God at work in your life has ministered to me. And so we thank every single listener of this podcast for just lending your support and um, for making us a part of your routine. So many of you guys have, you know, you've, you've subscribed, you listen every single week. Some of you guys are waiting because you know we download on Mondays. <laughs> and you're like, I've already heard it. By the time we put our marketing stuff out on Tuesday, uh, you're like, I've already heard it. It was so good. We love you. You are a part of our family over here. So 
Merry Christmas. I wish I could have like an AmFam Christmas party where we just rock the house and bring you all in from all over the world because it, it we are worldwide, baby. And, and so we could all meet each other and stuff like that. I wish we could do that. But just consider this our Christmas party episode. We're not going to do much different, but I'm just saying, let's celebrate Christ's birth today, especially through his word. Guys, I've got a word for you. And it's just so precious. It is absolutely precious. So um, hang with me after the break. What is happening in my life? Well, tis the season for insanity. Okay. That's what's happening in my life right now. You know, in the spirit of Christmas, my children, especially my young ones. Now, Moses and Haven are seven. They're pushing eight. Like, they're going to be eight here pretty soon, which I can't even believe they're going to be eight years old. What in the world happened to my life? But every year, you guys, around Christmas time, they have said, can we go ice skating? And every year I say, no, we're not going because you're five, because you're six. Because you're three years old. I mean, I think they actually started asking when they saw, I think they saw ice skating on like Frozen or something. And they're like, mom, can we go ice skating? And I'm like, no, you're a baby. And I'm not getting on on that ice and holding you up because I don't want you to die. So this year was no different about Thanksgiving. Haven comes in with her adorable little face and asked to go ice skating. And, you know, I just couldn't hold it off any longer because they can go. Like, they're they're old enough. You know, you, you are, are you ever happy that you can say, no, you're too young, you can't do that? I'm running out of that time, you guys, because my kids are not too young anymore. Like, they can ride roller coasters, and they do, and they love them. They can do, like, all of these things. And so if they can ride, you know, a roller coaster at Disney World, then I guess they can go ice skating. So we went. We went, guys. We went to the Gaylord Texan. They have this huge thing, this ice spectacular thing every year. And um, there is a section where they do ice skating. My husband called me and it was raining. It just happened to be raining when we went. And he was like, it's outside. And I'm like, oh, thank God. There's a reason why we can't go because it's raining. And then when we got there, we realized that the person he talked to on the phone didn't know what they were talking about because it was actually inside. So all my excuses out the window. Anyways, I'm sitting and I'm like, you know, we have a whole crew. It's like a whole bunch. We're like a whole bunch of people, right? So we're sitting on the bench and, you know, Grace, obviously she's practically an adult. Jude, same. His little special friend was there. And then Moses can do anything. Like he could do, he could probably build a whole house from scratch. So I don't really worry about Moses so much, especially when it comes to anything athletic activity or anything. But Haven was so excited, you guys, about this ice skating outing. And she asked me three trillion times if she could go. And she's sitting on the bench, putting on her little ice skates, completely quiet. And y'all know my child. She is not quiet. She always has an opinion. She always has something to snap back. Like, this child is like, she's verbal. She's very verbal. She's an external processor for sure. So she's silent. So I know something's wrong. And I'm like, Haven, baby, what is, what's the deal? What's going on? And she's like, I'm scared of ice skating. And I'm like, well, we're here. So you're going to go do it. And, and I didn't say that. I was very kind. But I was thinking, don't do it. I'm not going to do it. Sit with me. I won't have to worry about you breaking your ankle or anything. No prob. She was terrified. And I said, baby, it's going to be okay. Grace is going to go out there with you. And Grace can basically do anything too, like Moses. She's one of those people, right? That they can do everything and they can do everything exceptionally. Like they, it's like, they're just good at everything. She's so much like my husband. My husband is good at literally everything. I'm good at two things. Anyway, so she's like, okay, Grace is going to go with me. And I said, yes. And so she, she perked up and she was happy. And, um, guys, I'm telling you what, Grace takes her out on, (laughs) I don't know how Grace stood up and like helped her because the child was practically like Haven was practically riding on Grace's arms (laughs) because she was pulling them down. I don't know how Grace, she is like, just has this monstrous amount of strength. And so, you know, 
Grace is kind of pulling her around. She pulled around a couple of um, of laps around the, the rink, which was packed with the rest of Dallas-Fort Worth. And I do mean Dallas and Fort Worth were both there. And so I look at Grace and I give her like the thumbs up, like, is everything okay? And like the first time she gave me a thumbs up. The second time around the lap, the child was giving me the eyes that, that were shooting fire. She, was, she gave me a thumbs down and I had to go on and I had to give my little heavy baby a pep talk. And then we realized, you guys, they have these little polar bear looking chairs, which, you know, I don't know. I'm not a, like, I don't do any triple Lutz or whatever they call them. I don't, I don't. I know nothing about ice skating, so we found this little bear that Haven could could like push, and it's for little kids, and it helps them, you know, whatever. By the time we left, the child Haven, that child, was twisting, turning, stopping, like swiveling without the chair. She is going to the Olympics, you guys. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> So I was telling her five minutes, you know how you say five minutes, you have five minutes left and they look at you and they're like, mom, no, I want to be here for the end until the end of time. And you're like, yeah, right. You, you literally probably have seven more minutes of energy in you. Haven looks at me and she's like, mom, I want to do this all day. I'm like, okay, five minutes. And then five minutes did turn into 10 minutes. And then 10 minutes, I was like, get off the ice. We're leaving. And if you want to stay here with all of your totally stranger friends, fine, but we're leaving. And real quickly, she got off the ice. But guys, she did it. She has been ice skating. I feel like a proud mom. Stamp of approval. I get a gold star for the day. And she's really good at it, too. So now I wish I might uh, would have taken her a little bit earlier. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Okay. After the break, we're going to do our last piece of the series all about my man, Joseph. I will see y'all right after the break. Did you know that Autumn has many resources available to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God? By visiting autumnmiles.com, you can access them all. From there, you can find previous teachings under the podcast and media tabs, and you can order any one of the books Autumn has written. Her book, Appointed, will help you better understand that your significance is only found in God. While I Am Rahab beautifully conveys God's ability to redeem any situation you may have found yourself in. And if you want to add some heat to your prayer life and kick things up a notch, Gangsta Prayer is a book that will help you do just that. Again, you can find all these resources and more by visiting autumnmiles.com. We are back from the break. And in my production meeting this morning, like, I'm serious. I was crying. Amanda was crying. We were, like, having a moment. (laughs) Just because sometimes there is no salve like the Word of God. And there is no comfort like the Word of God. Like, if you're looking for comfort somewhere else, what are you doing, you guys? Like, the salve and just the healing power for your soul comes directly out of the Word of God. And this episode, which is week three of my Christmas series this year, is no different, okay? There is no salve like the Word of God for you. So if you need a touch from the Lord today, get into His Word. A couple of weeks ago when I was studying for this Christmas series that I do every year, you guys know I'm a, I love Christmas. I'm obsessed with it. I always want to teach it differently just because I've been in church for 42 years and I have heard every different way you can tell the Christmas story. But for a lot of those years, I heard it the same way. It was the same thing. We know Luke 2, Mary the shepherds, fields by night, you know, the whole thing. And several years ago, I thought to myself, I want to see myself in this story. I want to look at the principles that really challenge my own life. And I really started to challenge myself to look at the Christmas story and see things differently. And so 
when I was putting together this message, I have lots of trees in my house, right? I have like, um, I have trees everywhere. I have a tree in my bedroom, which I really kind of want to keep up all year. This is the first year that we've done that. And it's so soothing and so comforting. And I love it so much. And I told Eddie, am I going to be one of those people that leave the Christmas tree up in their room their whole year? I don't know. I might. Anyway. I've got a huge tree in my foyer part of my house. I've got a huge tree in the living room part of my house. And then right by Grace's room, you can kind of look up from the downstairs and there's like a loft area and there's a tree there. Well, I always sit in the very early wee wee morning hours when I do my quiet time, I always sit where I, especially at Christmas time, I sit where I can see all three trees. Okay. It's just so when the house is quiet and, um, you know, the kids are sleeping and I have a candle burning in my house 24 seven and I always have, and it's just like, it's like a thing, right? So I'm sitting there and I'm looking at my tree and I'm thinking to myself and allowing the Lord to repeat that line in me. If Joseph could see Christmas now, and it hit me as I was just kind of dissecting that line from the spirit in my head. I, I'm wondering for you, I know we have been to so many Christmas concerts, like every child we have has had a Christmas something to go uh, attend. We've been to plays. My church is doing plays. My church is doing a candlelight service. Like how many of you guys have actually been to a, a candlelight service or are planning on going to a candlelight service this year? A lot of us are because we love it. You know, we have midnight mass. We have, you know, Santa Claus is set up in every single mall across the world, right? I drive in my neighborhood and I'm like overwhelmed by the amount of people that want to celebrate Christmas, right? Like I drive down my street and we've got a nativity scene. We've got like a giant Santa. We've got a Grinch. We've got like all of these things that all point to what? Now, obviously not all of them are pointing to the Christ child, but let me tell you something. We celebrate Christmas, whether people like it or not, to celebrate the fact that Jesus was born. So you put a Grinch in your yard or not, you're celebrating whether you claim it or not the birth of Jesus. We go to concerts. We go to parties. I mean, have you ever seen so many of your relatives at one time than at Christmas time? We make a point to see each other. Why do we do that? To celebrate Christmas. It is a spectacle all across the world. You cannot go anywhere between really October and December 25th without running into holly or garland or a tree or someone in a Santa hat. It is a spectacle. So when I sat there and thought to myself as the Lord was replaying this line and over and over in my head, if Joseph could see Christmas now, if he could have this view of Christmas I wonder if his perspective would have been different at the first Christmas. I want to rock you through several um, really interesting points. And I'm going to try to take my time because I love how the Lord unpacked that line to me. In Matthew 1, 20 through 25, I'm going to read that to you. We have gone over this, so this is going to be a little bit of a review, but I'm going to bring something a little bit different out of it. Matthew 1.20, this is where the angel first appears to Joseph. But when he had, when Joseph had considered putting Mary away, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Well, goodness gracious, that's incredible. She will bear a son. Now, this is the information that the angel gives to Joseph. She will bear a son. He's going to be conceived by the Holy Spirit. You shall call his name Jesus. And then this is what the angel tells him. This is the intelligence that Joseph has. He will save his people from their sins. Now, verse 22, all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken to the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son and they'll call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel commanded 
angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. Okay. That's the intelligence that God gave Joseph. He's going to save the whole world from their sin. That's what's going to happen. Take her as your wife. It's going to be amazing. It's going, this baby is going to be conceived of the Holy Spirit, but he's going to save the whole world from your sin. Wow. This is going to fulfill an Old Testament prophecy. This is some baby. We see in Luke 1 now what the angel told Mary. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent to, from God to a city of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, 28. And coming in, he said to her, greetings, favor one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement, kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said almost the same thing here. Don't be afraid, Mary. Don't be afraid. He told that to Joseph too. For you have found favor with God and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call him Jesus. Same thing he told Joseph. He will be, well, Joseph didn't conceive, but you know, he was telling, saying that about uh, Mary. Now listen to what the angel tells Mary. Joseph, he got the bare bones. He's going to save the whole world from a sin. He's going to fulfill a prophecy. Go Mary, Mary. This is what Mary gets. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the what? Throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. That's the intelligence that Mary got. Mary said to the angel, how can this be? Because I'm a virgin. The angel said, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy child will be the son of God. Nothing will be impossible. She said, behold, bond slave of the Lord. May it be according to your word. Listen, I tell you those two accounts because God is so good and he is so faithful that he uh, sent them both. Mary had Gabriel and then Joseph had the angel of the Lord. Okay. But there's very different things that they told both of them. Mary, they went into detail. He will be great, be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will save, um, will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. That's like the guts of what Gabriel told Mary. What he told Joseph was, Take Mary as your wife for the child who has been conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus and he will save his people from their sin. That's what Joseph got. Now, I talk to my husband 24-7, okay? There ain't nothing that happens in my life that he doesn't know about and vice versa. Uh, I know everything that happens in his life unless he forgets because that happens too. But when something like this happens, I'm telling you what, you converse about it, okay? You have a conversation about it. Mary is telling Joseph he's going to be great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He's going to reign Joseph over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. And Joseph tells her, well, guess what the, guess what the angel of the Lord told me? He's going to save all the people from their sin. So giving, I, I want you to go with me on this because, you know, we don't have a conversation with both of them together. We don't ever see them converse, and we never see Joseph say one word. But you can imagine they swapped stories, okay? As I'm telling my husband about a story that I've heard, I'll be like, and then this happened, and then they said this, and then he'll interject, and then he'll say, and they said this. So what I'm trying to get to here is this. They knew that Jesus was going to be the Son of God, um, but he also was going to rule and reign forever. If I get a message from an angel that says, listen, your son is going to rule. He's going to reign forever. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. I develop in my human mind an expectation of what's getting ready to come out of me via this child. 
I don't know about you, but as I am asking the Lord to sort of um, give me insight to the scripture, I'm sure that Mary had a perception of what Jesus was going to be like right out the gate. And I'm sure Joseph also had a perception of what it was going to be like. And this is why no immaculate conception had ever happened yet. When you talk about ruling and when you talk about reigning, you think about ruling in place of Herod. We know that Herod thought that Jesus was going to come and take over his throne. That's why he tried to kill every baby under two. The idealistic view was that if this baby's going to rule, he's going to reign. He is going to be great and will be called the son of the most high. Um, he's going to be on the throne. Well, then he's going to be in a kingdom somewhere. The perception that we have about something that God tells us most of the time is grossly exaggerated in our minds. And I wonder, I just wonder if Joseph and Mary were shocked. <laughs> they were already shocked because they were chosen. But I wonder if they were just shocked by the way things unfolded. Because here we have a humble Mary and we have a humble Joseph. The angel of the Lord and Gabriel told Joseph and Mary about the glory. They told them what was coming. He's going to be great. The son of the most high. The Lord God is going to give him the throne of his father, David. His kingdom will have no end. Gabriel and the angel of the Lord told him about the glory, but they didn't tell him about the process. So when you hear from God about the glory, you expect, wow, this is going to be amazing. And then you start after you say yes, the process. Now we know the glory came and we know the beauty of hindsight will tell us he sits. All of this is what is and was true. And now he sits right next to his father in heaven. But the process rarely matches our expectation, our human idea of the way something is supposed to unfold. And I want to take you through a few things in the scripture with the moments that we have left. And I want to point some things out about their process that had to be their process. So the glory of the Lord could be revealed. I say to you, some of you today, I believe, are struggling with the expectation of what you thought something was going to be like. The expectation of something that you thought, you've got a word from the Lord, you expected, you thought, I thought they'd be healed by now. I thought my husband, listen, I thought he would come back by now. I thought my child would behave by now. I thought my money would be in my bank account by now. I thought um, this cancer would be gone by now. I thought my house would be uh, sold by now. I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought, Lord, you said, you said, you said, you said, but what you said and what I thought are two different things. So right now in the middle of this process, I'm struggling with how to, um, how do I reconcile what you said with what I see? Because what you said doesn't match what I see. How do I bring those two things together? And I, what I'm telling you as, um, as lovingly as I can is what God says is never going to match what you see ever because his ideas for your life are greater they're not, you're not meant to understand them. You couldn't understand them. But up in heaven, there is a quiet resolve. There is no confusion. No one is running around wondering what in the world is going to happen with your life. No one is freaking out. No one is getting the supervisor on the phone. There's no Karens in heaven that are complaining about what's happening to your life. As a matter of fact, there is perfect peace in heaven that looks down at your life and says, this is what I planned. The promise is still in play. The process is going to be hard, but if they'll believe me in the process, they're going to see the promise that is coming. Luke 2 says this, Joseph 2.4 also went up from Galilee from the city of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and family of David in order to register along with Mary, who he was engaged to and was with child while they were there. 
the days were completed for her to give birth. Well, isn't that special? Right when they were in Bethlehem, the days were completed for her to give birth. What a coincidence. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in clothes and lay him in a manger because there was no room for them at the end. Now, when God is telling me um, the other day, hey, listen, P.S. By the way, if Joseph could see Christmas now, all of his weirdness would make complete sense. He drew me into this verse right here. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now, I want to go to the Greek on a couple of these words just because it's important that sometimes we know precisely what manger meant, okay? When I was looking up, I'm not going to try to pronounce these words because, you know, everyone's going to be like, man, I'm pronouncing them right. Well, you know what? I'm not a Greek scholar. I just know how to study. And so I I do the best that I can with the intelligence that I learned from my own study. But this is what this verse says in 2-7. She gave birth to a firstborn child, wrapped them in clothes, and she laid them in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now, there are two pieces of intelligence that tell me exactly what was happening. Number, uh, Actually, three. They were in Bethlehem. She was having a baby. There was no room for them at the end, and the baby was laid in a manger. Three times the Bible mentions the word manger. Now, I'm going to spell the Greek word for manger, P-H-A-T-N-E-Y, fat me, fate me, I don't, I don't know how to uh, say it, but that is the word for manger, okay? The word for N is K-A-T-A-L-A-M-A, okay? So, katalama, something like that, and it's probably, I know, don't email me, it might be wrong, okay? That is the word, I don't know how to pronounce it. But those are the two words I want to focus on today. When they say there was no room for Mary and Joseph in the inn, in that word, K-A-T-A-L-A-M-A, could mean in, which is a lodging place. That's what the Greek word actually means, lodging place. But it also has the definition guest chamber. It is more probable that Mary and Joseph went to an inn or a guest chamber of one of their relatives that lived in Bethlehem and tried to stay in their guest chamber, okay? That seems a little bit more logical because he was going back to Bethlehem to register with the census because that's where he was from. So we probably had relatives there. I know, blow your mind. It blows up the whole picture of the inn and the story and the whole thing. To me, that makes more sense. However, it also means lodging place. So it could actually mean like Motel 6, you know, and they had no no place. I really thought about this when God is telling me things like Autumn, if Joseph could see Christmas now, I'm thinking of this idea of this inn, this guest chamber or this lodging place. As I processed why there was no room at the end, I want to tell you, I do believe that this was a completely supernatural rejection by either a relative or the innkeeper. And this is why. If you ever met a woman who was in labor, doing Lamas, he he he, the whole thing, breathing the crazy way, and you saw her, and she walked up to your doorstep, and she said to you, I'm in labor, can I come in to have this baby? Would you turn her away? Now, if you say yes, like, come on, you need Jesus. <laughs> Just kidding, but you really do. It's almost a 0% chance I don't know any of my family or any of my friends or anyone. If a woman came to an inn, to a guest chamber, to my house, to their house, to their garage, to their dog house in the back, and she said, can I just sit here a while so I can have this baby? I don't know one single person that would turn her away. I just don't. It's just like, to me, it would be a supernatural rejection. The miracle is more in the rejection. You know, I think all this time we've heard this Christmas story of, yeah, there was no room at the end. Well, do you ever think that that might have been a miracle? Because of this next part. How do you not let a woman who's about to drop a baby in, even if it's for a couple hours, so she can deliver? 
That's supernatural. That's supernatural rejection right there. As I started thinking about that, it moved me to this, the fact that she had the baby, there wasn't any room, and she laid him in a manger, okay? Now, (laughs) this is going to blow your mind. The idea of a stable is, it's not in the scripture, guys. I'm so sorry to disappoint you, but the word stable is just not in the scripture. Now, are mangers in stables? Yeah, they are. That's primarily where they are. But they also can be in caves, okay? So the idea that, you know, we see, and listen, out in my front yard, there's a nativity scene with a stable and a manger and the whole thing. I've got two of them. My kids have one. (laughs) We've got one out in the front yard. So, like, I totally understand what y'all are thinking. But stable is not in the scripture. Manger is. The truth is, this could have been anywhere, okay? It could have been back behind the house. It could have been back behind the gas chamber. We just um, actually don't know. But... What the manger actually meant was to eat. It was a place for animals to come and eat. And a lot of us know this. I think it's very interesting that he was placed in a manger, a clear manger. The only person, the only thing that was in that manger was Jesus's body itself wrapped in clothes. Now, I'm going to blow your mind. As I'm sitting here and as I'm studying through the fact that Mary and Joseph were just rejected from an inn, I think that was supernatural. It's probably, it's very high probability that as soon as they were rejected from the inn, there was a lot of wonder in their minds as to how in the world can I be rejected from this inn because I literally was just told by the angel of the Lord and by Gabriel that my son's going to be great. You mean to tell me that God can create a baby in me via the Holy Spirit, but he can not give me one room to have this special child? somewhere. So I'm sure at this point they are struggling with bashed, totally destroyed expectations of what they saw. They're out in the cold. She's in labor. Joseph is the only one there. Didn't say that there was anybody else there. And here the only thing they have as a bassinet is a manger, okay, to eat. They put them in a feeding trough. And as I was thinking of this, I thought to myself, man, I'm so glad that God doesn't tell us about the process because if God would tell us about the process, a lot of us would not even want the promise because the process is too hard. But this is what it made me think of with Jesus when he's 30 to 33. This is what he ends up telling people. I want to tell you this because I think it's very important. The manger had to happen. The supernatural rejection had to happen because when he's 30 to 33 and then beyond that we start seeing the glory of Jesus the most high the power of God that was originally told to Mary about her son this is what happens a bunch of people are asking him for food and Jesus answered them and said in John let's see 629 Jesus answered them and said this is the work of the Lord that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said, what then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe in you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. Who is he talking about? Who's the true bread out of heaven? Well, Jesus Christ himself for the bread of God. Verse 33 is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. It's not so crazy now that we see that he was laid in a manger, a feeding trough, because one day he would call himself the bread of life that comes out of heaven. It was the perfect picture of why he came. 
verse 34, they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. I like me some carbs. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger and he who believes in me will never thirst. This is what I want you to understand. The expectation that Mary and Joseph no doubt had for how Jesus would come, how he would be born, with the circumstances of his birth, they were looking at and they were totally bashed and crashed and destroyed. But God was speaking the whole time. Sometimes your process looks like a mess. It looks like rejection. It looks like isolation. It looks like being completely alone. It looks like you're looking around going, what in the heck happened to my life? But every piece of that process is ordained by God. If Jesus wasn't in a manger that signified the feeding of sheep and animals, he literally, let me say it like this. It was a perfect picture for what he was. The bread of life that came down from God himself. Jesus couldn't speak, but his circumstances did when he was born. God was telling them there, it's going to be awesome. He's going to feed everyone. While Mary and Joseph are no doubt dealing with disappointment, a statement is being made. We see the same statement being made to the shepherds. I love this. The people in John 6 are asking Jesus, give us a sign. Give us a sign. Let me go back to that just so I can show you precisely because I just I just think it's so incredibly cool. So they said, verse 30, 630, John 630. So they said to him, what then do you do for a sign that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? This is in John 6. 30. This is exactly what happened in Luke 2. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. Luke 2, 9. But the angel of the Lord said, don't be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Verse 12. This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. John 6 says this, John 6, 30. What then do you do for a sign that we may see and believe in you? What work do you perform? He says in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Why was he in a manger? Because he was the bread of life for all humanity forever. In the midst of destruction of expectation, we find hope. That isn't apparent at first, but it's there. Suddenly there appeared with the angels, uh, 13 Multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men. When the angels had gone away from this, verse 15, I'm going to skip around a little bit. The shepherds began saying to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby who lay in a manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about the child and all who heard it wondered at the things which were told to them by the shepherd. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. I want to bring this home for you guys. Here we have the angels giving the shepherds a sign. This is Jesus. He's in Bethlehem. You're going to find him lying in a manger. But when they got there, the shepherds confirmed to Joseph, who no doubt struggled with bashed expectation, and Mary, guess what just happened to us? Angels just appeared, and they said that this baby right here is good news of great joy, which will be to all people. So while the manger was assigned to the shepherds, 
the shepherd's message was a sign to Mary and Joseph. Keep going. Keep going. I feel like Joseph is calling out today from the pages of Luke and Matthew. And he's saying something like this. If you could see Christmas back then, if you could see what I saw, you would understand why you celebrated so much. If you could see Christmas the way I saw it, it would blow your mind. For those of you out there that are struggling with destroyed expectations, your process doesn't fit. Be encouraged by Joseph and Mary because the glory of the Lord they got to see. And they know about it now. And they're experiencing it in heaven. And they're cheering you on. Hebrews 12 says this, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and every sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on that baby Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You have a crowd that is cheering you on through your process because God has told you of that promise and he doesn't want you to give it up just because the process looks bad. Stay the course. Because I know Joseph said, listen, you have a few trees. You have a few, few lights. But I saw angels. I held Jesus Christ in my hands. I saw him grow up. Stay the course. Stay the course. Lord, we love you today. I praise your name for the comfort of your word. I praise your name for the promises that you give us. I thank you for this perspective from the story. I thank you for the manger. I thank you for the rejection at the end. I thank you, Father that you were in every single piece of it. I thank you, God, that you are present. You are our Emmanuel because of it. Encourage that heart. Speak to that tired, weary soul and encourage them in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, guys, I'll see you in just a sec right after the break with a question and a story from you. autumn and I want to know family what is God doing in your life if you have a recent praise report about God's faithfulness we all want to know about it I want to know my team wants to know and your brothers and sisters in Christ that listen to this show want to know you can share your story by emailing hello at autumnmiles.com or you can direct message me on Facebook or Instagram by searching autumnmiles at the top of the page I want to hear about it, guys. Let's tell the world what God is doing in your life so we all can be encouraged by your journey of faith. Okay, I've got an awesome testimony of what God is doing in your life. Keep these coming, guys. Email me um, at hello at or DM me on any of my socials. Now, this is anonymous, and I love, I love, love, love that you're sharing this with us. I'm finally coming out of a four-year wilderness. Well, praise the Lord. I'm so happy for you that you're coming out of that. <laughs> that involved my third divorce, moving um, to a whole new town, and getting set free from oppression. Reconstructing my relationship with my teenage daughter. And she is, or she or he, I don't know who this is, is now on their own. And literally, she, they say, nobody but the Lord has led me and sustained me through. It has been the hardest yet most beautiful time of my life that I've ever been through. You know, sometimes wilderness are the best thing that ever happened to us. And I'm so 
proud and thankful for this testimony, whoever you are. I'm so thankful you are an overcomer. You are exactly what the Bible talks about. You are an overcomer. And I am so excited for you. Um, Okay, here's a question from a follower. It's super long, but I'm going to cut it way, way, way down short. The scenario is this. There is a woman and a man, they're married, husband and wife. They're pregnant uh, with, their, with, I think, their first child. I'm not exactly sure. But they attend two different churches. Or they like two different churches. But the one who writes in says, I can't take my baby to this other church. I don't feel comfortable going to my husband's church. I can't go. I just don't feel right. And he feels the same about her church. I absolutely love this question. This is so good. This is so good. Um, Neither one can see themselves raising their child in everyone else's church. First of all, let me just say, I am so proud of you for going to church. I'm so proud of you for struggling over where to go to church. I am so glad that you're sticking in there with this, you guys. Listen, absolutely no shame, no guilt, but there is something special that happens in the house of God. And I'm, I read this and I'm like, I love that they're fighting over where to go to church. But my advice to you would be pick a new church. Probably shouldn't be your church or his church. Ask the Lord to lead you to a new body that encapsulates your values, your biblical theology, where you both feel at home. You've got to be on the same page with this. Listen, there are has been a lot of different questions that my husband and I have mulled over uh, for several years about specifically about church. One of them is all of us agree. Even my kids agree um, because we're all getting spiritually fed at church. We don't drag them anywhere. And if we do have to drag them somewhere, then we start looking for another church. Okay. You guys need to pray and ask the Lord to lead you to a new place. Not your place, not his place, a new place. If you guys don't find home in any specific place. So that would be my answer. We actually get this question a lot. I'm so glad that you ask it. I'm so glad that you're in church. I love, love, love that. (laughs) Stay in church. Don't give it up just because you're having a struggle. Find one you both can work with and make a home there for this precious child that God's given you. So that's what my advice would be to you. I love y'all so much. Have the best Christmas ever. Take time to shut out your problems, your worries, your doubts, your fears. Take a break from your problems. Sit in the goodness of the wonderful counselor, the Prince of Peace. Let him overwhelm your heart this Christmas. I adore you and I'm so thankful to be on this journey with you. You guys are amazing. I will see you after Christmas next week. Have a great, great Christmas. Merry Christmas.